Hey, my name is Julie Leone and this podcast is called What's Your Thing? This is where I have conversations with people about their passions, ideas, pastimes, missions or lifestyle that I find inspiring. I hope you do too. Hello, um, it's Julie here again, and it's actually New Year's Eve, which I'm not sure whether Ruth had realised that when we <laughs> agreed to do this um, podcast. But it's and and I remember the days when New Year's Eve would have not involved sitting on Zoom, but would have involved doing hair and makeup. God, that was a long time ago. Um, but here we are, and I'm really glad actually. If I had to spend New Year's Eve with anyone, it would be Ruth, because I, I we were just talking about how. I feel like I know her, but we've actually never met in the flesh. And that's kind of the COVID thing, really. But we've done quite a lot of online work together. Um, and I asked Ruth how to introduce her. Um, and she said a shamanic healer. So I'm going to really ask Ruth, can you just say hello and tell us a bit more about what, what that means to you? Yeah. Hi, Julie. Welcome. It's really, really nice. Um, to be given the opportunity because um, not just to share with you and with whoever listens but also um, to have a think about this stuff myself because you know it's you just do it don't you you get on with things and it's so nice to think a bit deeper about it especially at this time of year so yeah, yeah it's really nice thank you so yeah I'm a shamanic healer a shamanic practitioner um and there's we were talking a bit weren't we before we started about how um the language used for what i do is really tricky um and yeah so the title of what i do i i play about with a little bit and i'm constantly flowing with it to see what the right title is for my work um and i find it really really hard in society that we live in in this western culture where we've been so separated from our natural spirituality um, and so because of that you know the phrases the words the titles that might have been used for my work in the past just don't really resonate anymore and they don't really tell other people what I do mm. so for that reason I am using the title of shamanic practitioner or shamanic healer at the moment because um the work that I do, when you look at bullet points of what a shamanic healer does, it fits most thoroughly with me, with my work and with what I'm shown and how to do it. Um, but I think if we were to think in a, from a cultural perspective, you know, really considering things like cultural appropriation, which I do like to deeply think about because, you know, sh sh shaman, shaman is, is not of our culture. Yeah. It's a Siberian word for the um, magical people of their land, for the, the people that do the same oh, work as me. I thought um, it was Native American first. That's interesting. Yeah, it's from the Tungus. It's just one tribe in Siberia that used that word. So anywhere else in the world, even Native American, they would not call themselves shamans. Um, it's just come from that tribe. But that is just how uh, language works, isn't it? You know it's is is taken from different places and different meanings are attributed in different ways but it doesn't mean that i'm not aware that you know that is an appropriated word it's just a shame that um for me to talk to people about what i do 
that is the word or the phrase that is going to get across mostly my work. You know, so if I was to truly apply maybe language, correct language, correct cultural language, I'd be a witch, you know. I am of this I land. I could almost feel ripples. What? What? <laughs> well, there you go. You know, there's lots of things, aren't there? There's so many things attached to, to words. You know, there's so many feelings and so many memories and so many cultural issues attached to words and personal things, family things. Um, but my lineage, so my, I can trace my mother line back 14 generations and they are of this land they are within 40 miles of where i live now so being i don't understand that when you say your lineage do you literally mean your your blood lineage yes yes ah. so my mother's 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 mother they go back i find them 14 back and um they are of this this land very literally the land that i walk on and it's the land that they worked they were all agricultural laborers so they all physically work the land so um, there's a lot about the land, and I'll talk a bit about that as we go on. Um, but yeah, so. so much, so much, so much. And I want to come back to the word witch language, but I'm just thinking for some, because so some people won't know. It's like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. In simple terms, what is it you do? If I, I don't know, that might not even be simple, but you know. <laughs> so, yeah. so someone that knows nothing about it, or even someone who's like, what? That's just mumbo jumbo. Yeah, sure. So um, the healing work that I do is usually with women, um, uh, although I have more male clients coming to me at the moment than ever before. And we are working, if you want to look at it from a very rational perspective, we're working on trauma. So um, I've done lots of trauma informed practices as well um, and learning. Um, so we're working on trauma. And we're looking at ways to heal the traumas that we have gone through. And I say we, because this is very much my work as well for myself. Um, and we're looking at lots of ways, lots of different ways, very practical and spiritual ways, which all merge together to help us um, live our lives. So practically speaking, um, we might be connecting in with our breath, we might be connecting in with our self-worth, um, our empowerment. We might be connecting into how we are um, with the land. So, for example, you know, do you go for walks? Do you look at the nature around you? Do you observe the river? Do you observe the sunset? Do you observe the moon? Um, the seasons and how connecting with nature and the seasons can help us feel good and feel well um, and also how it um, how it can teach us what it can teach us about ourselves about our nature um, and also it's really beautifully when you're talking about women or people with wombs and people with um, female hormones we can look at um, how nature and the seasons can help us more fully appreciate and respect ourselves um, and see maybe what our body might be trying to tell us um, about our health and about our well-being and, uh, and how that then links with our, with our psychology too. Um, so if you'd like a little practical example of that, because as you say, that might be a bit 
out there for some people. Um, the really, really practical example of that would be um, the moon and the menstrual cycle having the same uh, patterns. So these, if you, if you then think back to how I started talking about what I do, you know, for many, many generations, for so many more generations than um, haven't, we haven't had any electric light at night. Yeah, so if you think about the huge amount of ancestors that we have uh, behind us that have lived with no electric light at all, they will have lived with um, candlelight before that, firelight, and literally the sun or the light of the moon. So the moonlight um, at night, especially in the winter time, will be affecting how long your day is. So um, you will have more or less time, depending on what phase the moon is on, it is in uh, more or less time to do stuff during the day. So we as human beings have literally evolved to um, to be busier when there's a full moon. And we have literally evolved to be quieter and more restful when the moon is darker. OK. Um, so some of my training as well is in anthropology um, and there's some brilliant anthropological work on, on this, on um, tribes people in Africa currently today, um, who, who then, the menstrual cycle of the women in their tribes are synced up to the moon. Um, so this is an example and, and uh, the people that have written on this have spoken about how um, this is how we would have lived, how our ancestors were and how we have developed into who we are today. So when we think about the menstrual cycle being exactly the same as the moon cycle, um, we have um, an ovulatory period, which is bright and, you know, sunny for most people. Um, and then we have a, a menstrual period, which is more quiet and restful, and maybe more cranky, you know, um, and, and just getting in touch with the cycles of the moon and the cycles of the seasons and um, honoring them. So not being like, oh, I hate the winter. Oh, it's so rubbish. Actually thinking, what is the winter good for? What is the dark moon good for? What is our period good for? Oh, it's asking me to rest because that's what our ancestors have done for so many thousands and thousands of years. And it's such a short period of time that we've not rested at that point, you know? And that we haven't caught up. Our bodies, for most people, haven't caught up. So, so that is one small aspect, one very practical aspect of my work, um, which can help so many women if they come to me with burnout with um you know with that sort of stuff um and we bring that that old wisdom into their life um and then the more magical side of things that we we do is stuff that um i have been experiencing since i was quite young but we might go into that, might go into yeah. that at some other point but um it's working with our guides so working with those um, spirit guides and helpers who have, who are always there with us and who always have our best interests at heart. Um, and they can give me lots of information to help you. Um, and often I can link you up with your guides to help your intuition really start to flow so that you can take control of your life more with a little bit of a helping hand, you know, feeling like someone's always got your back 
Yeah. Sort of so, okay, so so many questions. So define magic. Ooh. Because drink, it's yeah. the stuff of Harry Potter, isn't there, where I say. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And you burst into flames. But. Yeah, so I'm just looking at my book up on the shelf, which is about magic. Um, it's, a, it's a new book and um, it's written by a professor. I think he's an Oxford professor. It's literally titled Magic. And um, he says in there that it's such a broad and wide thing to give a definition to. It's really, really tricky. Um, but I think if I remember rightly, how he puts it is that it is, um, it is about allowing change. Um, and um, it can be really, really practical. <laughs> you know, like we were saying before we started that my work is really grounded and, um, you know, I don't tend to talk a lot about crystals and angels and that sort of stuff. Although that does come into my work. Um, it's, it's practical magic of like we, when we mentioned the linking in with the moon, linking in with the, you know, it's bringing back old ways of knowing. For me, this is my definition in my work, bringing back old ways of knowing um, for us to change things and to allow change and transformation. Um, the other thing that, that magic, when, when I think of the word magic, it says to me is, is a liminal space. So it's like the space in between, like the space in between anything. So, you know, when we're having a conversation and, um, and you get the pause moment, it's really allowing that pause. It's really allowing some space in our lives um, because that moment is a moment of magic. It's a moment of transformation and a change from one thing into another. Um, and it can mean, I'm gonna get very woolly on you now, but it can mean everything or it can mean nothing. It's just a pause and it's beautiful. Wow, so, okay. So let me just tune in with myself because it, I'm reflect, first of all, I'm thinking that, that the whole COVID thing to me has felt pretty liminal. Um, and noticing how difficult it is to stay in that space for myself and, and lots of other people because it's so there's such a desire to hold on to what is known yes and I'm feeling like you know they're talking about oh schools are going back schools are going back and it's kind of like oh that feels like clinging on to what is known which almost feels like it's getting in the way of what might be possible if we could let go of that and so and then I was reflecting on so I've done some work with with Ruth and my experience is that it, it's hard to let it's almost like you you're clinging you know, it feels like with Covid we're clinging on by our fingers to what was old because we're yeah. terrified of falling into the void of not knowing and somehow it's easier to do that with someone who can float with you to go it's all right we will land and I'll yes yeah. I'll float down with you to the new place. I don't know. Is that, yeah. Any sense of that so yeah, that makes me then think of what I, what I should probably have said at the beginning is, is essentially my work is holding space for people. So instead of, um, and, and this also links into what's going on in the world right now and these big shifts and changes um, that we're going through. But my, my way of working with anybody is to hold space for you rather than to do for you. 
So holding space for someone is, you know, listening, really listening with no judgments and um, with compassion, you know, that all of those feelings, everything that you, you're feeling or doing or need to say, it needs to be heard. And, um, and also, as you were speaking, it was making me think, well, my work also is really, it, it links really well with psychotherapy. It's really, really similar, um, but we just throw in a little bit of extra help from spirit. <laughs> and it, again, speak a bit more about spirit because that has so many different, what does that mean for you? Yeah, so I think this might be a good moment to talk a little bit about my childhood, if that's okay, because yeah, um, it sort of illustrates a little bit about, and I've got little children now, so I'm, I'm sort of aware of, you know, we live in a world where we grow up with stories of magic and fairies and fairy tales and things like that. And yet, even as little children, because I'm thinking of my little children now who turn around to me and go, yeah, but that's not real, mummy, you know. They're very aware of the prevailing culture of, well, fairies are in books, they're not real, you know? So of course I grew up with that too. And um, at the same time as I was beginning to disbelieve these magical things, I was also still experiencing them. So what I was experiencing was um, rather than fairies maybe, more what I now refer to as um, nature spirits. So if I would be playing in the garden or we would be going for a walk, um, I would get a very strong sense that there was somebody or something with me um, and that they would be showing me things around the garden um, and showing me things about myself as well. So um, nature spirits is, is one aspect of spirits that I now work with um, because I, it got to a point where I just said, Do you know what? There are too many coincidences now. I'm just going to have a go at just listening instead of going, no, don't be silly and pushing it away and pushing it away and pushing it away. I just said what I sometimes say to clients today is, you know, how about you just spend 24 hours going, okay, for these 24 hours, I'm going to listen to my intuition and I'm going to pay attention to this or to that or to that sign without poo-pooing it and saying, oh, that's rubbish. And just see how you feel after 24 hours. And if it makes you feel good, what is there to lose, you know? Mm. Um, so as a child, I was, I was sensing nature spirits and they were giving me lots of information about things that I, as a little child, wouldn't know about. Um, and the other things that were happening for me as a child were... Um, that I was experiencing past lives. So um, a lot of people that do my work work with dreams, but I work with daydreams. So it makes a bit of sense for you, Julie, as in, in our work together. Um, but um, daydreams for me as a kid would literally be me as the main big one was when I was six and turned seven. So really little, you know, really young child. And I would go into these... Um, what would you call them? Literally daydreams where I'd sort of switch off. I'd still be in the room. I could look around me in the room and know what was going on, but my mind would be dreaming something very, very, very vividly at the same time. And over the period of a few weeks or months, I was slipping into this consciousness place of, of daydream. And I was experiencing myself at a different time in a different place. Um, 
and seeing things that a six-year-old, seven-year-old would not know and should not know. Um, so um, I had an abusive father in this life and all sorts of things were playing out. Um, and then I watched myself die. <laughs> oh. and, um, and I watched myself die in this daydream and a bottle was bashed over my head. And um, I woke up from this daydream and I was in a, a state, you know, I was really upset. Interestingly, the rest of the experience hadn't upset me despite there being some very uh, disturbing things happening to me. Um, uh, but yeah, I was really traumatized, really upset and traumatized. Um, and I went to my mum and I said, look, this has been happening. This has just happened. And I told her the whole story and she was white as a sheet thinking, how does this seven-year-old know all of these things? Um, and anyway, that, that experience was the first big one. Um, and then through my life, I've had many, many- Did you begin to integrate that and make sense of it? Because so I'm thinking obviously my background is more kind of counseling and because it's almost like there's a fine line isn't there between that and oh she's going mad or she's yes. psychotic or she's yes let's medicate her because this isn't good or you know has she been abused yes absolutely did your mom and your family and you like make space for that yeah so that's really interesting isn't it and um I, my mum has similar experiences um, and she doesn't share them with anybody and she told me it's okay I believe you don't tell anybody else yeah. <laughs> um, and when I was a teenager um, and I was integrating more of it it was becoming much more clear what was going on um, there was very different times in history that were being shown to me and it was always me it was me it was obviously me um, living things out, um, things that I would never know. And, and the big one that I often experience is, um, is textures of fabric, which is, is really fascinating. I've not found anyone else that, that experiences this yet, but textures of fabric from different eras. So um, for example, one of them was a very sort of plague era time. And I was wearing, and I could see around me people wearing this very coarse texture of like a hessian linen thing really really interesting um and yeah so. level of detail yeah yeah really interesting and and how that has developed then through my just, sorry, work. are you in the dream or are you watching yourself have you know like are you watching it like a film or are you walking around no i'm in it it's like me now me okay. here now living it You're living it out things, hearing things seeing things yes exactly exactly so that then developed into me being aware that i could pick this up for other people um if i went into when was that, the first time that happened when was the first time that happened um i'm not sure the first time but i can figure a few notable times one was with the first my first boyfriend um, and I just kept experiencing constant, near constant, almost every day, remembering lives with him, um, which were fascinating. And would, and then this links up to my work now as well, is that um, it would show me what happens in that lifetime that is affecting how he and I are now relating. 
so this this is one of the big things in my work is that it really helps with people who have you know done lots of cbt done lots of relationship therapy all sorts of things and they just go nothing is working <laughs> and they come and and we go okay and i i see which thread i'm getting from them and if we get a thread of past life i go down that thread and what I'm asking to be shown is, is there something here that is affecting how they're living now, is affecting their relationship now, that is affecting whatever's going on for them in their, in their life, in their psychology, in their whatever it is now. And like I just mentioned with that, that first boyfriend, I'll then start to get shown what, what happened in those lives that may still be playing out for them now. So this is obviously stuff that, you know, a, a psychotherapist or a therapist or whatever, we, you can't get at. Um, and, you know, some people might not believe this at all. And to be honest with you, if I didn't experience it, I wouldn't believe it either. <laughs> I just wouldn't. Like your work, so when you're working with the client, does the client need to believe in it for it to happen? Yeah. No, not at all. Um, and um, so... That's weird, isn't it? It's really weird, yeah, but it's really interesting. So it works on two levels, I think. Um, maybe it works on different levels as well. But my observation is that the psycho psychological level is they go, oh, okay, I've got an understanding. I've got a deeper understanding of this now. Even if I don't completely believe it, I, I, there's something more to it and I've been validated, you know? Yeah. There's, there's, there's an aspect of that. Um, my, my work really, really shows me that I go back to that place. I go back to that time that that person has experienced something and, um, and it changes, we change things. So we go back to that person, say, I don't know, in, in a Roman city, uh, I don't know, being, you know, having an awful, an awful experience of something and, um, and I can literally go to them and say, it's okay. It's okay, you know, and hold space for them there. And um, something changes. So from them being, showing up in that past life as being very upset um, and reliving, constantly reliving what has just happened. When they have someone stand in front of them and hear them, and say to them it's okay I hear you I hear your pain this is awful you know and empathizing with them and then things change and they go oh okay um great and then they get on with it <laughs> you know it, it, it's like it, they split out of energy uh, I yeah. suppose that's like so that process of being with someone in a kind of coaching relationship it's like once the energy once the thing's been named it loses its power it loses its because because you it, I always think of the um, Wizard of Earthsea I love that book by Ursula Le Guin like once you've named something it loses its power over you but it's almost like you're saying that you do that kind of in a different realm and it, it has the same effect yes yes do you ever get scared when you're ever you know have you ever been in a life your own life or somebody else's life where you actually are feeling that's really interesting. And again, that's something I've been thinking about a bit recently is when I am in the, um, what I now call the shamanic realms. So the, the, the place that I was at as a child, that, um, that state of mind, um, 
it's really fascinating because there is no fear and when I start a session with anybody as you know one of the first things I say is I'm listening to you with no judgment okay and you know in this situation you and me or a chat or you know being with my kids doing whatever I'm doing of course there's judgment I'm a human being you know there's always bits of judgment and we can work on that we can work on not judging ourselves and other people but in normal consciousness, of course, there's judgment. But when I go into the shamanic realms, it, there's no word of a lie, it just disappears. Can you there feel is none of it in your body? Do you feel it in your body? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's the most peaceful, beautiful place um, for your mind to be or your spirit to be, whatever it is. It's, it's so peaceful because there's none of that chatter. Um, and there's a... I don't want to sound condescending in any way. It feels like there's a higher understanding with no words. You know, it's just a very, very beautiful, peaceful place to be. Like, okay, so this is a weird question. So you don't, but like, I suppose when thinking about death and like, cause you were talking about past lives and then you're talking about that state of kind of peaceful, lacking it and judgment. And it, I'm kind of curious about how, how has it changed how you feel about death or do you yeah tell me a bit yeah, totally yeah um just yeah just life death everything um I suppose death mostly um yeah it it flows into that feeling of peace and quiet and gentleness and non-judgment and just nothingness but in a beautiful beautiful way um and um I suppose the other thing as well that death uh and and my work helps me understand more about death is that I always start to think then about endings of anything mm -hmm. you know so we think of ending of patterns of um the end of the year like we are at right now you know although that is a completely man-made calendar um it's still an ending you know um and that there is no ever real ending. Mm. So if we think of the cycles of everything, uh, that is really, really important to this work. And I'm showing a lot about that in my, you know, travels in my shamanic realms, where, wherever I go, is that there's, there's always, um, so linking a bit with one of your questions earlier, well, the question about fear really is, I used to be, especially in my teens, really, really, really scared of this. Um, and I think looking back, I was really scared because a lot of my work is about endings um, and it is about ending patterns for people that have been going on and on and on in their life or lives. Um, and look, it's just ready to finish now. So I'm working on stopping those things and changing patterns and transitions. Um, so some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that I was being shown and am shown uh, as a teenager before I had as, as much understanding um, and as much healing on myself, that was the big one, was to do loads and loads, and it continues constantly, loads of healing on myself, um, is that, yeah, it was really scary. Mm. So when, I was, when I'm in a shamanic realm state, not scary at all. 
but when I'm in my everyday life and I'm, I'm maybe trying to go, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go there or I don't want to understand that or I don't want to see that, that feel that spirit or sense that whatever, it just brought a lot of fear into my everyday life. And um, was re- that was really awful because right, fear... Yeah. Because being a teenager is hard enough, isn't it? And you talked about how you hold space for people. And I'm curious about who were your, yeah, and I, maybe this links in with your lineage of 14 women who bought the land, but who held the space for you? Who were your guides, your mentors, or were there yeah. any? Yeah, so um, my mum was very good at that in some ways um, of the main one being as you mentioned earlier not hospitalizing me <laughs> because there was definitely points that I remember one quite clearly I was about 18 19 and she she turned to me and she truly she said to me shall we go to the doctor now because this isn't nice this isn't you know my mind was not in a great place and I said no this isn't pleasant I'm full of fear right now but I can tell that it's for a reason there's something I have to do this in order to not be scared of it. And fair um, play to your mum, because she must have been scared. She was. Yeah, she was. Yeah, fair play to her, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then as I got a bit older and I started to realise that there was a lot of, of inner work I had to do um, in order to work with the fear and in order to work with my own traumas, Um, and my own family's traumas you know it wasn't a particularly um, healthy family necessarily on either either sides Um, so in the present when you're talking about family are you talking about the family you grew up in or the lineage of family Family. well the family that I grew up in is my lineage is my um, my you know 14 and you know generations of women so mother's mother's mother yeah my family's in this life in this in this world yeah it's not been it's not it's not the prettiest of um you know lineages so there was a lot of trauma to be worked with um so I started going to it was funny actually it was a really good friend that I'd been friends with for a good few years and we'd been great great mates and she'd never once mentioned this sort of work to me, although I knew that she was interested in this sort of thing, but we'd never sat down and had a conversation about it until one day we were walking home together and I turned and I saw or felt some nature spirit coming down out of the woods. And she looked and she looked at me and she was like, do you want to talk about this? <laughs> because She experienced it too. Um, And anyway, she was the first person to start me on this work. She basically did this work with me, like healing me for two years, pretty solidly. She did loads of work with me. Um, And I would mention her name, but I know that she likes to work quite privately without the the label of this work. So she's actually um, a massage therapist, but she does the work while she's massaging. Um, so there was her first um, and then I went away to go right let's let's go big now let's go and learn from people who you know I feel a lot more confident in myself but I want to heal more um, and really that was my aim it wasn't to do this work as a job that was not my aim my aim was to go away I was having my first child and I could tell that I was going to pass things to them you know, there was traumas there still that I was living out and 
codependency, all sorts of stuff that I didn't want my first child to get from me. So I went and did a year training with a woman called Jane Hardwick Collins, who's Australian. And she has learned from uh, Janine Pavati Baker. Um, and really what they teach or taught, so Janine has passed on now, um, what they teach is, is called shamanic woman crafting. So that is about using shamanic work to heal or rebirth a woman hmm. um, in order to help women then, you know, have children to in, in an empowered way, but to bring up kids that and basically exactly what I needed was to not pass my shit on. And I swear on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to not pass my shit on to my children. That was my my purpose. Um, and I spent a year with her and I realised actually that the way that she worked was exactly the way that I worked. And the word shamanic was exactly what I've always been doing. Um, and oh, wow, great. You know, I can heal my stuff while using the skills that I have instead of trying to hide it. Um, I've then also done a year's training with um, Susie Cro uh, Crockford. She's based in Devon. She's a shamanic healer. Um, and she taught me lots of wonderful things. And she's of the Hana method. So that is uh, this sort of more Western way of um, Michael Hana went to uh, he's an anthropologist and he went around the world to indigenous peoples and learnt their ways of working. Oh, was it him that did the drum beat thing yeah. that you said have a look at his video? Yeah, he does really yeah. hypnotic drumming, doesn't it? Yeah. So if you want to read up on how shamanism is applied in Western cultures now, Michael Hahn is the one to go away and Google. Um, and yeah, so Susie Crockford, um, I spent a year with her learning different ways. Um, and she's coming from, yes, from shamanic perspective, but also from a more Wiccan perspective and um, earth paganism, that sort of thing, which was very interesting. Um, and so tell who me about the word witch as well, because yeah. kind of Wiccan and witch and kind of how, there's two bits to this because there's the kind of that training and I'm wondering how were you functioning in in you know jobs and homes and and all that because again some of the, yeah. sometimes that can be tricky can't it yes so I didn't function until I did this work mm. I was um well in some ways I was really high functioning um I got extraordinary results at school you know I went and did a really amazing degree um impressed people yeah and then I'd get I so my first job after that I got a big job working with the government with the MOD believe it or not and I just couldn't function um I'd impress people on first meeting and then my health and my mental health would just deteriorate because I couldn't function in that way um, and as soon as I stopped, so again, if we think of that cycle work and I was mentioning endings and transitions, whenever I stopped things, I would improve. Um, and I'd have to stop and pause and rest really, really deeply rest. Um, but then of course I'd go back in and start something else, start a new job, start a new way of, you know, and relationships were messy. They were really messy. And, um, and again, I just knew there was way more healing to do 
before I could actually function. It, it was it was really important. So I didn't do this work to do it as a job. I did this work to function and to be happy and and to mother that was the big one so when I was having my first child and then after I'd had him it was like turn up the volume on this work because this is the only thing in my life that has helped me and um I I really struggled as a new mum really really struggled as a new mum to my first son um and he triggered me becoming a mother just triggered me in everything um and it was really do we in our culture i think so many women struggle with being a mum the first time but you're you know this that's not the story that the culture wants to hear is it women's will be oh it's great lovely and and there's times of that but there's who am i now and how do i do this and and where's the help (laughs) yes and i i found that there's so much fun um um so much focus on doing an action that when you suddenly have to be and be present with a child and and not be too productive you know um that that was the big one for me and as well as the and I didn't have birth trauma with him but um it it brought up trauma sexual trauma for me because suddenly this part of my body had been used to do something beautiful and previously maybe you know and it it opened up um, memories of um trauma and it yeah it just got very messy so for my son's sake I I started doing this work on myself and with myself and with other people. Um, So it has just changed everything. I have this beautiful relationship with my son now. Uh, I have two sons and a a baby daughter. And it's just been so, so beautiful when I think now of what being a mother was like to begin with. It was so hard. And I, I couldn't even access love for him. You know, it was it was that bad. Um, Which again is so, so, you know, thank you so much for sharing that because I think, again, there's more women than speak of, you know, whether you call it postnatal depression or attachment or whatever, you know, but for many, many women, I think that that's an unspoken shame. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And that, you know, it's, we need to speak more of these things. And I'm, yeah let's just take a breath there because I kind of feel that it's a tender thing to to say isn't it yeah it's so tender and I think the vulnerability of and honesty of being able to talk about that in circles of women and in healing ways you know and I was I was very honest about it um and I think it shocks quite a lot of people actually which was interesting um even in the healing communities um and but it was just it just showed me that it was essential I needed to do something because this is not going to be okay um maybe I can live with this but he's not going to be able to live I'm not willing to let him grow up with this level of sadness on his shoulders Mm. um so I'm forever grateful to him for being my impetus you know real shove up the backside to get to do my work you know 
Um, and yeah, now just, I can't believe, you know, I've not had a, a counsellor. Um, I've not, although, you know, that would, would I'm sure have helped as well. But um, the, the work that I have done is literally the shamanic work. That is what I've done. And it has changed. He's eight now. Um, and my middle son is four. Um, and when he was a baby, things were lots better. So I loved him from the minute he was born. So great, hooray. Um, um, but there were still things to be done. And now that my, my youngest daughter's seven months, and I can honestly say that I look at all of my children now with complete tenderness. And there is no triggers in life anymore from my children, which I just could never have imagined. I never have imagined eight years ago. We're just, we're in connection. And, you know, if I get a bit shouty, uh, I very quickly can go, oh, yeah, okay. I understand that and I can apologize and we just move on and we, you know, we, we warm back up together again. Mm. And eight years ago, just the idea of that was just, <laughs> I never imagined it. It's mm. really beautiful. So, and it, it's all, I think one of the themes of the conversation is about the, the woman, the womanish, I don't know, I've got the image of a circle, you know, whether it's the circles of life or the circles of women or the womb or the moon, um, kind of the womanishness. I think that's the word that Alice Walker yeah. used. But I guess, you know, again, we're still, I, you know, I grew up in the eighties and we were like the feminist generation. We could have it all, we could do it all and kind of Thatcher came out of that generation. And I speak to some of my kind of friends that I was at school with, and we grew up with that. Yeah, you can be like men and you can have it all. And we've tried to have it all. And oh my God, it's knackering and you really can't. And yeah. I think we were trying to be men, that generation of us that grew up then. It was like, right, okay, we've got to be like men to do this. And, and for me, some of the kind of journey and motherhood again has done that is to go, oh, is there another way that we can be empowered whilst remaining women because actually it's not very you know and who found margaret thatcher sexy you know it's kind of not very you know what i mean it's like that hardcore 1980s yeah kind of, it's just not enough is it not really is it not very sexy it's not it it's not for me it's not true feminism either because what, what we're actually doing is we're saying these things that women naturally do or naturally can do i.e birth and nurture and breastfeed and all of these sorts of things they're a problem and they stop us being active which is the opposite really of what we want to be doing if we want to be um honoring all ways of being so if you think of the masculine and the feminine be that men and women or be that the masculine and feminine within every person you know, we all have nurture within us and we all have action within us of varying percentages, you know. Um, and if we're constantly saying action is more, is better Bang. than nurture, you know, and nurture it's just you back. Nurturing, yeah, exactly, is, is a problem, then um, we're, that's not feminism. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of the opposite of feminism, actually. And 
by um yeah so I felt that because I grew up with a mum who was very much about you know you are not to play with Barbies you have to cut your hair short and um you're never to wear makeup you know and actually as a teenager and and part of my healing was actually I painted loads and loads of pink paintings because I was never allowed any pink <laughs> and actually welcoming back what what is considered feminine what is considered nurturing the rest time the connection the gentleness that was not really seen as important or powerful and welcoming that back and knowing that actually there was a lot of that within me that I can't and shouldn't and neither should any of us push it away you know and welcoming it back in and allowing it back in and mourning for the time that I wasn't allowed to do those things or wasn't expected to and I think so for me it's when I'm talking to clients I kind of say it's like you have to inhale and exhale you can't keep inhaling or <laughs> go pop you have to just and I just you know there's so many exhausted people not just men and you know men yes. too as well as yes. because we're so running on yes. adrenaline aren't we and adrenal fatigue I can't so I, I'm aware of the time but I just need to go back to the witch thing yes. as well like so you so you said actually you'd rather use the word witch and as you said the word witch I felt a little tingle go <laughs> um, mm. so yeah so tell well that's important for you you know that's important for you so reclaiming of the word witch is going to be important for you if you're feeling that tingle there and that intuition is you know as you know the thing that I'm constantly saying to clients you know just listen to it what does it make you feel mm. um and um, yeah, so the reason I don't use the title witch, um, I mean, there's lots of reasons to it, but the main actual practical one is that it's, it tends to mean that you are Wiccan. And I don't follow the Wiccan um, way of doing things. Um, the title of which, and I've got to buy a book actually, Susie Crockford, who I trained with, recommended this book to me the other day. Um, Will you send me the links to all these people? I'll send you the link because I can't remember what the title of this book is as well. But um, it's about the word witch and where it came from. So there's one study which just blew my mind when she said it. There is this book that's been written because there's lots of people that say they can't find really where the word witch comes from. Um, there's, there's bits that's say it comes from wise woman um, and different things but the actual word which spelt how we spell it now um, has been found to be uh, to come from a tribe of women who who uh, lived on what we would now call Gloucestershire and this blew my mind oh. a bit because that is where my lineage lived um and yeah they were on the Gloucestershire Worcestershire border so when I go back to maybe eight to 14 times great grandmother that's where they were so the title of which um yeah if we think of it as wise woman or woman who knows or something like that or who is bringing back those old ways of knowing that sits well with me um but if as I feel 
if you get on some of the Facebook forums of witches and things, they get really, really uppity if you're <laughs> not. They, they're, very, they're very particular and I'm really not. Um, but they get very, very upset if you call yourself a witch and you're not Wiccan. And I'm not Wiccan, so I don't want to tread on those toes, you know. <laughs> but yeah. if we think of witch as powerful woman or wise woman, then maybe, you know, that's a great, great word for us to start to reclaim. Mm. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and I think it's happening over, you know, over this uh, last couple of weeks. I've read a book by Jeanette Winterson and there's another book I've just read by, um, oh, it's going to really irritate me, called The Good People by Hannah Gale, I think it is. Um, again, about kind of magic and wise women. So it kind of, I think it's appearing in the literature, you know, stories, it's coming back in adult stories. There's lots, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. So have you, is there anything that you said that you're kind of surprised that you said or that you weren't, you know, you, that you're wanting to remember from what you've said? Not really. I've been quite relaxed in, um, yeah, just, just, seeing where it goes you know I always like talking to you and you always bring up great things for me as well even when we're in session together I go away thinking yeah Julie that was great you know <laughs> so no, no. Quite, quite comfortable with it really is there anything else that you'd like me to go into a bit no, deeper? I think for me just maybe for people listening so my experience of the sessions with you is <laughs> You know, I like the fact that you have your, what are your agreements? It's non-judgment. What are your other ones though? Non-judgment, confidentiality. So, and we go into lots of depth on these, don't we? Um, yeah. And the last one is my suggestion that all of your feelings are completely welcome. Yeah, and that's such an important one because I remember doing a session with you. I can't remember. It was at the end of the last lockdown and I hadn't realised but I'd just been sitting on so much rage and it was just such a relief to kind of yeah let it out and I suppose that you know with and for me it kind of doesn't matter you don't need to be, you know whether I believe or don't believe it no. kind of somehow is irrelevant because yeah. you did create a space yeah where That's it was okay to have those feelings and and almost like so obviously I've done lots of therapy and, um but it's almost like this was non that we got to that place in a non-verbal non-narrative way and I think that's sometimes really important because I think we can get so tied up with our stories and we get we get so used to the character that we play in those stories that it it's quite hard to let go of the story or shift the story and it's I suppose that taking what you do do beautifully is take people into that liminal space safely mm -hmm. where just the essence of that you know that the essence of how I was feeling at the time was allowed I didn't have to explain it there were no words to go with it there were I remember some images but it definitely felt like something shifted and it's all very yeah. kind of yeah can't explain it rationally and I don't know that you need to be able to yeah absolutely so yeah no I've really appreciated our work together and I do you have a sense of if what's the biggest gift of this to the world do you think you know what if we could bottle it and what what's the thing what is it I think it's um 
I mean, there's lots, lots of gifts, but I think the biggest gift is watching me, for me now watching, cause there's, I've been doing this for three years full time now. And so I've got clients that I've seen maybe some of them for three years, you know, over a period of time and watching some of them just walk out into the world with confidence and joy and feeling self-assured and um and also gentle like to have this strong empowered female energy that is also gentle is um is i think what the world needs hmm. so that might be our wish for 2021 <laughs> absolutely. absolutely in a kind of endless way isn't it this is about men or women this is about no. yeah Absolutely. Think about that energy in a man. It's mm. so beautiful. This strong, gentle, like that's, that's all we need in the world is compassion and gentleness and mm. strength. It's that combination of, of masculine, feminine, but in a healed way. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's been, yeah, so that was exactly the right conversation to have on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Yeah, I know, and it does make me think when the kids are in bed, I'm going to just go and sit and do a bit of kind of imagining forward. I don't know, how are you spending the rest of the evening? Yeah, we've got a, a delicious platter of food at home from our deli, and um, and I'm just, I'm feeling a bit romantic this week, so I'm going to sit with my partner and be nice to him, which is unusual. I'm usually a bit bossy, so. <laughs> it's going to embody some of that gentleness you've just been talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I'm going to switch off the recording now, but thanks ever so much. And send us, so I'll put the links to your site and any other links that you've mentioned, some of those uh, books and some of your teachers, maybe if you could send us the link. Yeah. Will do. Um, Thank you so lovely. much for having me. It's been really lovely. It's been lovely. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening. Julie Leone here. Well, you can find out more about me at julieleone.com. But more importantly, if you know people or if you are someone who does a crazy thing or something that you feel passionately about or live slightly differently, then drop me an email at yoursoulworks at gmail.com. Let me know about it and it'd be great to have you or um, your friend if they want to come on to talk about the podcast. In the meantime, if you liked it, please subscribe and if you can leave a review do that way more people find out about it just wanting to share exciting and interesting ideas um, particularly at this weird covid time take care